Well, if you would, this morning, I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 11. Turn to the Old Testament, and we'll be looking at Psalm 11 this morning. Just hold your place there for a little bit, if you would. And there are a couple of things that I would like to share with you ahead of time. First of all, I want to share with you that next Sunday morning, in the morning service, I'm going to share a little more, actually a refresher about why have been seeking a music pastor. Um, why is that so important to us? Why uh, do we think this is a very important for, position for our church? And maybe to share a little bit more about Mike, and you'll be getting a lot of information in the next few weeks. So I just wanted to let you know that, that we'll be doing that in the morning service. I will have my regular message time, but in addition to that, I want to share with you just why, as a leadership team, we've felt so strongly about this position and now feel strongly about Mike Briggs. Secondly, we have the Thanksgiving praise service coming up a week from tonight, Sunday night, November 20th. The ensemble that is singing this morning will be singing again next Sunday evening. And uh, I want to really thank um, two of our young men, Ethan Painter, and who leads this, and Brad Kresge, who really organizes and puts this together. They have done a wonderful job. They really have. And just to see these young men serving in this way and so concerned about the body of Christ here in St. John's has been a tremendous, tremendous blessing to me. And they have done a great job. And I want to commend them uh, this morning. But as you have seen in the bullets in the last couple of weeks, we are going to do something just slightly different uh, for a Thanksgiving praise service next Sunday night. And that is we're asking you to submit your testimonies ahead of time. And so we're focusing this year on the attributes of God. And we would encourage you, if you want to give a testimony, to pick an attribute of God and then to share. We'll have a mic down on the floor. We won't ask you to come up here. We're going to have a mic down on the floor. And those who have submitted those testimonies will come and, and just share um, about the faithfulness of God, about um, the grace of God, the love of God, the power of God, or whatever is really touched your heart and what that means to you and uh, to your life. And I just want you to know, we're not asking you to submit these ahead of time because we're trying to control things or because we don't trust you, nothing like that. There, I, I just want to make sure everyone understands there's no hidden agenda here. What we really want to do is have you really think through and pray about what does God mean to me? And how can I best share and praise him before the congregation? And, and, and if you would like to do that, I, I, I just need to have the attribute you're focusing on, just a general idea of what you're going to say and submit it by this Wednesday, the 16th. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it said, let everything be done decently and in order. And it says, let everything be done for the building up of the church. And that's what we want to do. We want you to come and to edify the body of Christ here at First Baptist. Uh, Brad and, and Ethan will be planning to intersperse those testimonies with the music throughout the night. And we want it to be a powerful time of thanksgiving and praise and celebration. 
And so we're excited about this and we would ask for your patience. You know, anytime we do something a little bit different, sometimes it can make people a little uneasy. But if you will give this a chance, we really think it will bring honor and, and great glory to the Lord as, as we do this together. Now you may be saying this morning, what does it mean to give a testimony about the attributes of God or one of the attributes of God? And I'm so glad you asked that question. <laughs> Because that's what my sermon is about this morning. <laughs> I want to praise God. That's what this sermon is about this morning. I want to praise God for his sovereign rule. That's what this message is about this morning. I want us as a congregation to just have this magnanimous, gargantuan view of who God is and to praise him for who he is and to love him and adore him for who he is. In Psalm 11, David is writing in this psalm and he says, In the Lord, I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. Well, our first point this morning is our view of God. Our belief about who God is will determine how we view everything in the entire world. Now, that may sound like some big sweeping statement, and I want you to know it was meant to be that. It is meant to be a big sweeping statement. Your view of God, who you understand God to be, is going to determine how you view everything else in the entire world. It will. If you don't believe there's a God, that is going to determine how you view the world. If you have a kind of deist position that you think God created the world and then just stood back and let it go, that will determine how you view everything else in the world and in your personal life. And if you believe that we serve a sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God who is intimately involved in the affairs of the world and the affairs of your life, that is going to determine how you view the entire world. Psalm 11 was written by David. Most likely, it will, most likely was written when he was being chased by King Saul at the time in the wilderness. And Saul was chasing him and pursuing him and trying to kill him. And that's important to know as we come to this particular psalm. It describes a desperate moment when his enemies seem to be closing in on him and his friends are encouraging him to run, to get out of there, to escape. And the foundations of Israel were being eroded under a paranoid king. King Saul was 
insanely jealous of David. Samuel had prophesied that David would be the next king. This was the will of the Lord. This was the hand of God. And rather than submitting to the will of the Lord and the hand of God, King Saul, King Saul instead tries to take matters into his own hands. He tries to kill David. He tries to change the plan of God. And all Israel at that time suffers because of this man's insecurity. Because he is threatened by anyone who may be seen to threaten his power. And David's first statement provides the context of the entire psalm. In the Lord I take refuge. Everything else flows from that. That one statement is what everything else in the whole psalm builds on. In the Lord I take refuge no matter where I go, no matter what I do. No matter whether I'm in good times or bad times, times of blessing or times of trial, in the Lord I take refuge. He himself is my hiding place. However, David's confidence in the Lord is being questioned by those around him. In the second part of verse 1 through verse 3, this is what those around him are saying to him, David, flee like a bird to your mountain. For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Notice the quote marks of that whole statement, around that whole statement. This is what they are saying to David. And he says, how can you say this to my soul? Those around David feel a sense of panic and despair. David, get out of here. You can't stay here, David. They're trying to kill you. And what makes this passage so intense? And I want you to to grab hold of the mood of the text this morning. The mood of the text is one of great intensity. And they are intensely saying to him, You need to get out of here. You need to escape. And what they're saying for the most part is true. They were trying to kill him. They were shooting literal arrows at him. This isn't allegorical. This isn't hypothetical. This is real. Not just King Saul, but his entire army of brave, seasoned warriors are coming after David and they are trying to kill him. So this is a very real situation for him. Now, what I'm about to say, I don't want it to sound critical because that's not my intention, but I think it's important that I talk just for a minute about verse 3. In verse 3, they are saying to David, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do, David? We got a paranoid king running the country. What are the righteous supposed to do? And I have heard over the years a number of sermons preached that really focus on verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And so they say, 
We need to strengthen the foundations. We need to strengthen the moral foundation of our country. We need to strengthen the moral foundation of the family. We need to strengthen the moral foundation of the church. And folks, I want you to know that there's truth in that. But that's not what this psalm is about. This isn't, oh my, the foundations are being destroyed. What are we going to do? And this is very relevant for us because we feel that. We live in a culture right now where same-sex marriage has been legalized, where same-sex unions, relationships are being approved, where transgender identity is being completely set upside down. But not just in our country, maybe in your own personal life. Maybe even as you sit here this morning, maybe you're going through some financial hardship. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe where you work, there's instability, insecurity about the future of your job situation. So people having their foundations the foundation of their life threatened, threatened with destruction is a very real thing. But again, that's not what this psalm is about. They are saying this to David. What are we to do if the foundations are destroyed? And David doesn't say, oh my. He says, look to God. He says, I'm not going to flee. I'm not going to escape. I'm going to look to the Lord. And the key verse in this psalm is not verse 3. Though that is so often preached on. The key verse in this entire psalm is verse 4. That's the most important verse in this entire text. And that leads to our second point. An all-powerful, all-knowing God. In response to the fear and danger around him, David looks to heaven, to the true king of the universe. Here's the heartbeat of this psalm. Here is the big idea, as we say in sermon preparation. Here is the main big idea, verse 4, the Lord. Let it be known, brothers and sisters, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. Let's take the first part of that. You know, we say almost with resignation sometimes, you know, I'm kind of scared about what's going on in our country. Maybe you're anxious about what's going on in your personal life. And we say, but at least God's on his throne. And we almost say that with a sense of res resignation. Well, at least God's on his throne. At least I know that. That's not the thought here. The thought here is, this is a bold, loud proclamation. God is on his throne. No matter what you see around you, no matter what you are experiencing at this particular moment, I want you to know God is on his throne. I'm not escaping. I'm not going to give way to worry and anxiousness. I am going to look to heaven. Folks, this isn't hypothetical. This isn't something we say to ease our fears the Lord right now as we meet on this day 
On this 13th day of November 2016, our God is in his holy temple in heaven. The Lord's throne is in heaven and he is seated on his throne right now. Let me say to all of us, our majestic eternal God is in his temple and on his throne. Right now as we meet, that's where he is at and he is ruling everything. Now at the end of verse 4 it says, His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. In the New International Version, I, I, I like their translation only because it's easier for me to understand. In the NIV it says, He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. It is the thought, or here's the thought, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven and he's watching everything. Everything, and I mean everything right now. Some of you may remember when I was preaching through the book of 2 Peter, we came to that famous verse in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 where it says this, but do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. And I said to you at that time, God sees all of time all at once. One day is like a thousand years. A thousand years are like one day. Our amazing, stupendous, glorious, all-powerful, all-knowing God sees all of time all at once. But not only that, he not only sees all of time all at once, he sees everything right now. Right now, this is so important for us. Right now, God is watching us. We talk about coming to worship him. We talk about coming to exalt our Savior. He's watching. He knows right now whether or not you're focused or whether your mind is wandering. He knows whether you feel like you're about to fall asleep. He knows it all. He knows the heart attitude with which you came to church today. He knows your heart attitude right now. There is nothing about you that escapes him. Oh, if we ever got a hold of this, put myself at the top of the list in my own preaching, teaching, and worship. If we ever got a hold of the fact, the biblical truth, that God is watching this auditorium and everybody in it right now, he is gazing down on how we worship and acknowledge him in everything we do. In our Men's Bible Institute class, over the last three years, as we've gone through our lessons, in addition to whatever we're learning, I've encouraged the men to take with them three different verses about the watchful eye of God. The first one is Proverbs 15.3. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Proverbs 5.21, For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. Third, Hebrews 4.13, Hebrews 4.13, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. 
I want you to think about that as you sit in your seat, as you worship, as you go to bed, as you rise up, as you go about your day, that nothing in all creation, nothing is hidden from God's sight. Everything, and everything here means everything. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must all give account. So David is saying, don't say to my soul, flee to the mountains. Don't try to scare my soul by saying, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Don't try to get me to fall into despair and anxiousness and doubt and depression because I want you to know something. The Lord, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven and he sees everything. And because of this, David is reminded in the depths of his soul that God sees the deeds of the wicked and will bring righteous and just judgment upon them. He is reminded because of what he just stated that no one ever gets away with anything no matter how it may appear to our human eyes. Every evil deed, every act of sin and wickedness will eventually be brought to pure, true justice. It will be judged by God. And so he says in verses 5 and 6, The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. Let us be reminded again, nothing, nothing is hidden from the eyes of of our majestic, eternal God. And that includes everything out there. Every crime. Every miscarriage of justice. Every act of violence and abuse. God sees. And he will bring justice. Let us be reminded again this morning, God is never shocked. Let us be remind, reminded this morning God is never unprepared. Let us be reminded that God is never surprised. And let us be reminded that God is never blind. I don't care what you may think or feel. God is never blind to what is going on in this world and what is going on in your life. We need to always, always, always remember the great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20. And if you're not familiar with it, I would encourage you to go home today and to read it and then to read it again and again and again. There is coming a day in the future when all of the dead from every generation, from every era of history are going to be raised. Those who have not trusted Christ as their Savior. Those who don't know Him. Those who have mocked Christ. Those who have doubted Him. Those who have refused to believe in Him. They will all stand before Him at the great white throne Judgment, And it says at that judgment that there will be a book which is the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, and there will be the books. In the books will be every deed of every person that they've ever done. And it says they will be judged according to the books, plural. 
And then it says this at the end of that section. It says every person, every person whose name is not found written in the book of life will be thrown into the eternal lake of fire. That's not my words. That's a direct quote from Revelation chapter 20. God sees. Do you know why he sees? He sees because he is in his holy temple. And the Lord's throne is in heaven and he sees everything. Well, David ends the psalm the same way he began, saying, For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. For the Lord is righteous. He is perfect in his righteousness. He is pure. He is holy. He always does what is right and he loves those who pursue righteousness if you are pursuing righteousness this morning God has a deep love for you as you pursue true biblical heart mind soul righteousness and the upright shall behold his face let it be known this morning let it be know the Lord stands up for those who stand for him. Whatever persecution, opposition, misunderstanding you face from people, and it is likely to only intensify in our culture, know this, the Lord stands up for those who stand for him. The Lord takes the side of those who side with him. By faith, David stands on the mountaintop and says, though the battle may be hot and we, we may be surrounded by enemies, my God will be victorious because my God is in his temple in heaven and my God is on his throne. And this is supposed to be the position of those who believe God and his word. That by faith we stand with great courage and boldness. Not trusting in ourselves but completely in him. And saying no matter what I see, no matter what I experience, my God will be victorious. My God is seated on his throne. And those who know and love the Lord, it says, shall behold his face. This has both a present application and a future application. There is a sense in which this is true right now. It is Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It means that we will behold his face, the fullness of who he is, in a greater way than those around us because we see him in all of his fullness. The more you behold the greatness and majesty of, the, of God, the more it is that your face be, beholds him, your, your being beholds him, but there is a beautiful, wonderful future application. One day we will see Christ face to face. One day we will truly behold him. 
as Christians what we need today and what we need every single day is a fresh view of our God. Let us continue to pursue through Scripture, through Scripture, how great and majestic and big our God is. What did you just sing? What did you just sing? Behold our God, seated on His throne. Come, come let us adore Him. That's what Psalm 11 is about. Behold our God seated on His throne. Let us worship Him. Let us adore Him. Let us make Him known to the nations. Let us live for Him every single day. And we need to remind ourselves that Christ is our firm foundation. That Christ is the cornerstone that will never be shaken. Never be shaken. No matter how uncertain the world may be, we stand on the cornerstone. We stand on the firm foundation of Jesus Himself. We're going to close in just a little bit with all I have is Christ. And I know it's been said many times by many preachers, but if you come to the point in your life where all you have is Christ, you have everything. If all you have is Christ, then you have everything. But here's how I want to end. I want to end with what I hope is a teaching lesson for me and for you. How do you give a testimony about an attribute of God, you take the first part of verse 1, the first part of verse 4 and verse 7, and you proclaim it. You say, this is an example of how you do it. You say, I want to testify to you. And this is what David is doing. He, he could come to our Thanksgiving praise service. He could. David could. And, and just recite Psalm 11. David says, I want you to know, people, people of the Lord, the people of the risen King, this is what I want you to know in the Lord I take refuge. My God is in His holy temple. My God's throne is in heaven right now. And my God is righteous and He loves those who pursue righteousness and I long to behold His face. I long to behold Him in all his fullness. I long to have a huge view of who God is. But not only is this a teaching lesson for how to give a testimony, a public testimony for God, this is a teaching lesson on how to pray. As many of you know, I have been a big advocate over the years of praying Scripture of taking Scripture and praying it unto the Lord, here is a great example. You could take Psalm 11 and say, Oh Lord, get on your knees in your home and say, Lord, you are my refuge. And no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to take refuge in you. Thank you, Lord. I praise you in my heart of hearts that you are in your holy temple. I praise you that you are on your throne in heaven. Oh Lord, I praise you that you are perfectly righteous. Father, help me with all of my being to pursue 
you and to pursue righteousness. Lord, I long to behold your face. I long to have it said of me, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Oh, let us testify with David. Let us pray with David. Let's pray together as we close. Father, help us to behold you in all of your glory. Help us to live what we sang. Behold our God. Behold my God, who right now at this moment in time is seated on his throne. Oh, let us adore him in any and every way that we possibly can. Let us praise him. Let us exalt him. Let us give honor to him. Let us submit to him, to surrender to him. And Lord, let us live for you. For we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.